lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Want to thank our friends over at Convention of States. They have kindly provided the formal attire for today's show. You're going to notice that all three of us are wearing a shirt with a certain message. Uh, so we want to thank Convention of States for that. Let us know what you think about what we think. Oh, by the way, that's Todd and that's Aaron. I should have mentioned their names, not just called you them. Pronouns. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email us. D-E-A-C-E. Go to Facebook if you like to be lied to with our hashtag Facebook approved takes. And you can follow me on Twitter at Steve Day Show, MeWe Parlor, Gab and Getter. Uh, you look for my name there and then look for clips of the show when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Again, rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Don't go to the other platform. You'll get censored there. We are. Uh, go to Rumble where you are free of censorship at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. We're going to have, well, we're now well over 100,000 views with our interview with Dr. Ryan Cole from last week on Rumble. So thank you. That's very important information. Please keep sharing that with as many people as you possibly can. All right, coming up on the show today, uh, we will be joined at the bottom of the hour. Another guy that was one of the OGs in pushing back here on COVID stand last year. And I mean, I've retweeted this guy about 150 times in the last year and a half. And just the other day I said to you, why have we not had this guy on? I realized we should have had this guy on like six times by now, right? All right, so Justin Hart is going to join us here. Uh, he is one of the folks that helped found the website Rational Ground. And he has some data looking at looking for a, correlate, a correlative parlay here, if you will, between vaccination rates across the country and mortality rates with COVID. And wait until you hear what he has to say. That is coming up here at the bottom of this hour. Well, and then he's got some new data looking at California and Florida, comparing them to dramatically different approaches to COVID. So, of course, we would expect to see two dramatically different sets of numbers, right? Tune in at the bottom of the hour and find out. Fake news or not, at the top of next hour, I just, you know... I'm, I'm, there's a certain, I'm beginning to, I'm beginning to contemplate just going full Dr. Strangelove with this, with, with this time and era in which we live, where I'm just going to learn to relax and love the atomic bomb. All right. Um, I, I found a new, I got a newfound friend in Naomi Wolf. I'm affirmatively quoting Bill Maher and Andrew Sullivan. All right. In the overtime today at blazetv.com slash dace, we're going to go Yas King with an NBA player pontificating on uh, cultural issues. All right. I mean, these maybe, maybe we, I, I, we need to enjoy some diversity, maybe, in terms of allies for the times in which we live, right? Well, the fight against COVID stand is actually one of the most truly diverse enterprises it is. in recent history. Yes, it Far is. more diverse than the so-called diversity we were sold as a bill of goods that ultimately is choking the life out of this country. Yes. I mean, the, one night after Jimmy Kimmel attempted to take a statistic completely out of context, 
in order to trash Ron DeSantis in Florida. Bill Maher was on there the very next night saying, basically, people like you, liberals like you, are scaring the bleep out of folks mm-hmm. unnecessarily, right? Yes. Okay. I Just, this isn't, in fact, don't check this box. It doesn't exist. This I didn't think that this was an on a list. I thought it could never happen. I'm going to turn 10 to 15 minutes of my show over. I can't even believe I'm going to say this. I can't. But you know what? I'm the kid born to the 15-year-old mom. I I should realize lots of things are possible. Do you right? believe in miracles, Steve? Dave? Yes, yes. I'm going to turn over a not insignificant amount of time on my program next hour to Russell Brand. And it's not for mockery. It's not for It's not it's not for parody. This is just like straight up prophesying. I mean, this isn't just some of the best political analysis I've seen in some time. It's among the most moral. It's 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 very very moral. It's very empathetic. It's very powerful. No tongues in cheek. This is straight up. I mean, and you know what? If you have not yet seen this, you should. So we're going to show a portion of it to you for fake news or not uh, next hour. And then for Pop Culture Tuesday, we're going to get into, the three of us, I hope, have watched it now, the Fox Nation documentary on what really happened in that Wuhan lab. And we're going to give our thoughts and uh, we're actually going to talk to the, the, the Aussie reporter who, who is the host of the documentary and wrote the book that accompanies it. She'll be on the show. I think it's on Thursday, right? right. All right. So um, we're looking forward to that conversation for uh, Pop Culture Tuesday as well. Now, how much equity do you have in your home? Don't find out the hard way because you've become a victim of the cybercrime known as home title theft. Now, here's how it works. Uh, first, cyber thieves search hundreds of public databases looking for high-equity homes, maybe like yours. Next, they pull your home's online title, forge your signature on what's called a quick-claim deed, stating you have sold your home to them, and then they take out equities uh, or take out loans against your home's equity. And a lot of times, you don't find out until those uh, things in the mail you never want to see start showing up. And you know what? You're not going to be covered by your homeowner's insurance nor your mortgage lender. That's why you want to get covered by our friends at Home Title Lock. So protect your most valuable assets, your home. And if you register your address right now for free, they're going to throw in a $100 value. It is a complete title history of your home to make sure it is free and in the clear and has never been or attempted to have been tampered with. They'll give that to you for free today. Normally 100 bucks, but free today at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. All right. It is now time for Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by God, also known to some as Moderna or Pfizer. New York Governor Kathy Hochul spoke at some sort of church over the weekend where she said this. Hear me and rejoice. You have had the privilege of being saved by the great titan. You may think this is suffering. No. It is salvation. 
Whoops, wrong clip. We are not through this pandemic. I wished we were, but I prayed a lot to God during this time. And you know what? God did answer our prayers. He made the smartest men and women, the scientists, the doctors, the researchers, he made them come up with a vaccine. That is from God to us. And we must say, thank you, God. Thank you. And I wear my vaccinated necklace all the time to say, I'm vaccinated. All of you. Yes, I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones. But you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know this. You know who they are. I need you to be my apostles. I need you to go out and talk about it and say, we owe this to each other. We love each other. Jesus taught us to love one another. And how do you show that love but to care about each other enough to say, please get vaccinated because I love you. This is right before her press conference yesterday where she announced the state would be firing likely thousands of nurses in New York for not taking the jab. I will be signing an executive order to give me the emergency powers necessary to address the shortages where they occur. That's going to allow me to deploy the National Guard who are medically trained. Yes, you heard that right. The state of New York will be quartering soldiers within their hospitals in order to meet the expected shortage of nurses. And now today in coronavirus history, four months ago, the CDC released the following guidance. Fully vaccinated people can stop wearing masks. In completely unrelated news, President Biden took his booster shot with his mask on and answered a question about how many people need to be vaccinated in order to go back to normal. I think we get... The vast majority, like is going on in some of the some industries and some schools, 97, 98 percent. In further unrelated news, the Harvard Business School is closed and moved classes online because of the uncontrolled rise of breakthrough cases on campus. Harvard has a 95 percent vaccination rate amongst students and staff. Alberta, Canada Chief Health Officer Dina Hinshaw had this to say about counting COVID cases. If individuals choose to not get tested for COVID, but are home with an illness, um, they're now counted in the list as uh, being part of that outbreak. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced, We've reached an agreement with Pfizer for 35 million booster doses for next year and 30 million in the year after. This deal includes options to add 30 million doses in both 2022 and 2023, and an option for 60 million doses in 2024. Project Veritas released another sting operation, this time targeting a businessman and a scientist with Johnson & Johnson. So if it were your kid, if it were your kid, Mm -hmm. would you get them vaccinated? I don't think they need it. So what would you say? Homeschool or get the vaccine? Honestly, I don't think a kid needs to get it. The White House announced its plans for its New World Order-esque Build Back Better agenda, and boy howdy did the talking points go out with a plum. Biden tweets, my Build Back Better agenda costs zero dollars. Representative Premier Jay Paul adds, As I said to the president, I heard him say, this is a zero dollar bill. On CNN, why is that 3.5 trillion figure misleading? 
because it doesn't really represent anything. Um, it's this weird shorthand that's been used, but in fact, the bill itself will not cost $3.5 trillion in the sense that it will be entirely or at least partly paid for. So the actual cost in terms of deficits will be smaller than that, perhaps even zero. Jen Saki says... This package, the reconciliation package, would cost zero dollars. Speaking of Saki, she doesn't seem to understand the concept of businesses passing on higher taxes to the consumer. There are some, and I'm not sure if this is the case in this report, who argue that... In the past, companies have passed on these costs to consumers. I'm not sure if that's the argument being made in this report. We feel that that's unfair and absurd, and the American people would not stand for that. And finally, comedian Ryan Long is back with what happens when the experts disagree. Hi, my name is David Jones, and I'm an expert. I just wanted to let you know that we are right in the thick of this fight against COVID. The science and all experts are in complete agreement that we are just at the beginning stages of uh, this I'm fight against COVID. I'm actually also an expert, and I slightly disagree with you. Ah! Ah! Really I, sorry about that. So we are all really in agreement. Ah! <laughs> so anyways, uh, sorry, the experts are, if I, ah! <laughs> All of the experts are in complete agreement. Yes, we agree. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Keeps. You know you've got a million reasons to be stressed out these days. Stressing out about, though, receding hairlines and male pattern baldness doesn't have to be one of them. Because with Keeps, you get the same doctor-recommended, FDA-approved hair loss treatment. But they're the generic versions. So you only pay about half the cost, and once more, you get more of called convenience because it's all done online. You answer a few easy questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and then a licensed doctor will review your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you and even more savings on the back end. 50% off, half off your first order. So savings on the front end with the generics and then all that convenience, you do it at home. Savings on the back end with half off your first order to get you started at keeps.com slash grow, K-E-E-P-S, at keeps.com slash grow. There be, de- there be devils there. I mean, I, that there's just, I, I mean... Uh, straight out of hell. Uh, crazy, you know what's called Marxists. I mean, this that that's just your, that's what that was. Just straight out of hell. Just, let, let, let's try to, uh, you know what, if I have to unpack for you that there's no such thing as a no-cost $3.5 trillion government expenditure, if I have to do that for you, I, I, you know, our audience has grown enough that I feel comfortable doing this. You're too stupid to, to consume this program. Turn it off. You're too dumb. So let's go to some other things that might require a half a brain cell or more. Fair? Sure. All right. What's going on with the vaccine program is a classic case of bait and switch. A classic case. This is the equivalent of I waited in line to get a 75-inch LED 4K TV Black Friday that they were selling for $99.99. And oh, by the way, turns out they only had four of them for sale. 
But you know, while I'm there, I can still get a good deal on one for $599.99 or $699.99 or $799.99. So I might as well buy that to justify all the time I spent here in line. That is called a bait and switch. And that is what has happened here. Whether it's what Justin Trudeau announced yesterday with the White House is polling now over the objections of the Food and Drug Administration. And the, by the way, the vote against this, folks, was not close. This wasn't one of those five to four, the Supreme Court uh, by one votes decided our way of life is over on everything things. It was 16 to two. A 16 to two vote by an FDA panel that was minus two people who resigned from it prior to the vote in protest of all of this. What you need to know. Here's what you need to know. I'm going to tell you the straight up truth. If you are vaccinated, here's what you purchased. You purchased a product with a much more limited shelf life than what they promised you. You purchased a product that is now outdated against its current opponent. You purchased a product that does not immunize you from getting COVID. How much of this were you told when you got vaccinated? Here's the other thing you've purchased. You have, you know, they've got programs now, like apps and stuff, because a lot of times you'll sign up for that free trial to watch something right now and you forget about it. And then you're like, you know, why do I have eight deductions out of my checking account for $5.99 this month? And there's like programs that if you give them your email address and stuff, they'll go in and look at everything you're signed up for to make sure, hey, do you want to continue subscribing to that? Right? Okay. That's what this is, too. It's that, too. You have signed up to be a human test subject in an ongoing set of experimentations for the first ever mass injection of human beings with messenger RNA technology. That is what you've signed up for. I'm sure almost all of you signed up for this believing that you were doing something good for you and others and that this was a one-time thing you would suffer through? Maybe in a few years, maybe a booster might be required, but that you would neither get COVID nor give it to someone else. And you certainly, if you did get it, wouldn't get a serious case. This is before we even do the side effect calculation. We won't even we won't even go there for the purposes of this conversation. Instead, here is what you have signed up for. You have signed up for a product with a very limited shelf life. You have signed up for a product that is frankly outdated and playing from behind against the current strain of contagion. And therefore, you have signed up to be a human test subject 
in a series of ongoing experiments of what happens when for the first time in human history, we inject this messenger RNA technology into people again and again and again and again. Now, you may be morbidly obese and diabetic. You may be 75 years old. You may be immune compromised. You may be work around people who are in those settings and you serve them. You maybe have to house house a a mother-in-law or a mom or a father-in-law or a father or a child who is immunocompromised. And therefore, your risk calculation with side effects is irrelevant to you. And even this conversation is irrelevant to you because you're facing a different clear and present danger. Understandable. And we respect that. For those of you that are not in that situation, however, you need to read the fine print here. You need to know what it is you're truly purchasing. If you think I got this J&J jab once because they wouldn't let me participate in an event, they wouldn't let me go back to work. And so you did J&J, which we have the least amount of data on. And the data we do have, frankly, is not great. But you did that because it's my single shot. I'll just get it out of the way. If you think that, you've been had. You have fallen prey to a bait and switch. Instead, you have signed up for a program where you will be asked, if not required, to be repeatedly re-injected. And the J&J is not even the messenger RNA tech. You're a test subject. That's what you are. You are now you may be okay with that. You may have gotten excellent results. You may have not seen a lot of adverse side effects. And so you're okay with that. And that's okay too. Because we actually believe in like freedom on this program. But all of you deserve to know what you signed up for. You deserve to know. She might be so hot that it's okay. It, it's okay if you're, you know, dealing with the clapper every now and then. And you've made that calculus. I can't do any hotter. I can't do any better. So, you know, we all have our crosses to bear. Cool. You should just know, Hosea, going in, going in, what it is you bought here, okay? And this is what you bought. This is not a one-time thing. This is a routine over and over again thing. And you just need to know that because they're not going to tell you, even though they're telling you, but they're not outright telling you. You're part of an ongoing human experiment. We have never mass injected this technology into people ever before. And already this year, we've injected about 5.8 billion people with it. And we're going to keep doing it over and over and over again. Canada's already got a four-year supply. 
We're doing three shots now in nine months. And they're and, and they've been lying to you about this. Now maybe they've known and lied. Maybe they didn't know and then just found out in real time, hey, this thing doesn't last. I don't know the answer to that. I do know this. If I had if I had gone online on, on Facebook especially and said, I don't believe the Pfizer and Moderna human trial data, you're looking at repeated boosters and within this calendar year if i had done that i would have been banned from facebook for saying that and yet a few months later here we are you may think well it will still help me uh, prevent me from getting a serious infection tell that to the majority of hospitalizations in wales in the uk that are now fully vaccinated Governor of New York doesn't think you're apostling correctly. Apparently, well, that, you know, she's actually about to lose 83,000 disciples, looking at the numbers of, of of people in New York State that so far have not, within of hospital workers that have not gone along with the vaccine mandate. It's 83, it's more than 83,000 employees. So enjoy, enjoy your quote unquote dark winter in New York State. Minus 83,000 frontline workers who a year ago at this time were heroes we could not question. While while some of them made TikTok videos, they were heroes above reproach and unquestionable. And now suddenly uh, they are um, uh, dissidents for daring to dissent or ask a question or have a contrarian view. One year later, life comes at you fast on the animal farm. Snowball. I'm not here to tell you to get vaccinated or not. I'm here to show, I'm here to inform you of what it is without any political agenda at all. I don't have any other than vaccine mandates for a product that doesn't immunize are beyond medically immoral and unethical before we even get to the constitutional question. But that's also a separate question from whether you should make the choice to get vaccinated or not. We're here to make, help you make an informed choice and you need to know what it is you bought Because you're dealing, the CDC is the William H. Macy character in Fargo. You're going to buy that undercoating, I promise. Now, you may think the vehicle's worth it, and you're desperate enough for a ride. I get it. But just know what you bought. That's all. And you're going to keep buying it over and over and over again. Gentlemen, you have any thoughts? Well, a couple days ago, I tweeted there, there is no government. There is no science. Uh, there is no education. There is no journalism. There is just the cult versus reality now. And if you don't understand that after what you watch today, I got nothing for you. I do not have the ability to communicate past that level of denial. You're on your own, and whatever comes of you, it's on you. And just don't bring it to my doorstep because you're, you're going to for you, you're that level of ignorance and denial is f- forcing the hand of the rest of us 
simply say, listen, it's, it's you or me when it comes to the things that I love. It just, you got to wake up and you got to do it now. Listen, I would love to have a laissez-faire attitude on this vaccine. And to a, a small degree, I still do in, in, in circumstances. At the very beginning, I absolutely did have a laissez-faire attitude because that seemed to be the messaging at the time. It was, we have these available and you know what. But um, pretty quickly, not from the administration themselves, but from its base and from the spirit of the ages, disciples, apostles, if you will, that the laissez-faire approach was never going to be good enough. Let's just game theory this out very, very briefly. 70, what is it? What's our vaccination rate now as a country with at least one shot? It's uh, upwards of 70%, I want to say. It's over 75% of male, of adults have at least one shot. Let's say it gets to 85, 90, 95. What happens on our way up to that 95%, 96%, 97 98% threshold that Joe Biden talked about? What happens when we still don't shut down the virus? The same people who are not content with the laissez-faire attitude on vaccines there will not be content with a laissez-faire attitude on quarantines for the unvaccinated. Once you quarantine the unvaccinated, forced quarantine the unvaccinated, and we still don't have it solved, what, what happens then? Um, the slippery slope is slipped, but guess what? We've still got more to go. This goes to some very, very dark places. I keep saying that. We keep saying that. But it's true because we're here. Justin Hart with some data you're going to want to know here when we come back in a moment. Well, maybe like me, you've got a sweet tooth and you struggle with the challenge of choosing between nutrition and good taste. You don't anymore. Uh, I don't anymore. That's why I absolutely love Built Bar. It is the greatest protein bar of all time. And that is not, uh, trust me, I've tried a bunch. There, there, there's, there's none even close. Uh, it's like a candy bar, the texture of a candy bar, uh, but none of the the fillers and calories you get out of a candy bar. I've got, I busted out the coconut brownie chunk. Open that up this morning. I've got one. I'm going to have it with lunch today. That's the, that's maybe the most decadent flavor they've ever produced. It's 150 calories. Loaded with protein, not loaded with calories, not loaded with fat, not loaded with sugar, not loaded with carbs, but loaded with flavor. If you want to try it today, 15% off your order when you use my last name, Dace, as your promo code. 15% off when you go to Built.com, B-U-I-L-T, Built.com. You won't regret it. Built Bar. Head over to Built.com, get 15% off with the promo code Dace. Well, it's I can't believe he has not been on this show like five or six times, given I've probably uh, tweeted him or retweeted him about 100 here in the last year and a half. But Justin Hart joins us now here on the program. Way, way overdue. Good to have you with us, Justin. Welcome to the program. How are you? Steve, great to be with you. Maybe this is a sign of the times and this is the end of the pandemic. We'll put a a, a bookend chapter to this right now. This is the end of it, right? Maybe? No. No, no, no. no. It, 
it's never going to end, Justin, until we just decide we're going to make it end. And, and and I said that all last year, and I'm saying it even more now. And and it, But I still think it's useful for people like you and I to keep pointing out the data. If for no other reason, man, it makes them mad when we do this. Okay? So... You've got a couple things I want to I want you to highlight for audience. First and foremost, though, what's your background in data research? Tell and tell us about rational ground. Yeah, so my uh, forte as a professional has been as a data analyst, a chief marketing officer, a chief data officer for both private companies and also in the the public arena. I've been involved in some political uh, ventures as well. Uh, but when it came time for the pandemic. All of my clients fell dead. Uh, my primary client was uh, building golf excursions for baby boomers, mm. dead. My secondary client was doing one-on-one consultations for college families, dead. Mm. My third client was doing uh, high-end vacations for, uh, for rich families. That was dead, right? And I was doing a bunch of data analysis for them and trying to build them some dashboards so they could have some executive reasoning. And I thought... When I had some time on my hands, that's what we needed first and foremost with this pandemic was some actual reasoning uh, and some dashboards. And that's why we started rationalground.com uh, to become one of the, the central locations that you could go to get your sort of fix of sanity. Um, and we, you find us a lot on Twitter. We have a whole gang of uh, lay activists in this arena. Uh, as I always say, I'm not a virologist. I'm not an epidemiologist. And normally I wouldn't insert myself into someone else's domain, but they sure seem to be inserting themselves into my domain, mm-hmm. my kids' education, my business, my health, uh, my future. And so uh, they'll forgive me, I hope, if I check their math because I checked it and it's wrong. And so that's one of the things that we've been able to do is really demonstrate through a, a data approach uh, that the, the fear mongering that has gone on is unfounded. Uh, and that uh, the uh, the attributes of what we call the non-pharmaceutical interventions, all the lockdowns, everything from the social distancing to the masks to putting a padlock on my kids' local park on the swing. I mean, th- this is unfounded, ridiculous stuff. And we've been able to point this out both just through logic reason and, of course, back it up with data. And that's our background. Let's go to the data. Let's talk about California and Florida, two states whose approaches to this from about, I would say, um, last summer onward, because if, you know, we're going to keep it real, originally they did do some form of a stay at home or lockdown in Florida originally. Now, he was one of the last states to declare one while spring break and everything else was going on, but he did declare one for a while, Governor DeSantis did. And it was really about last summer when they started looking at real-time data and realizing this is not the plague we were promised, that he began to unfurl um, his state's toe-dipping into what he calls Fauciism today. California, I mean, Fauci is the official state bird of that, of, of, of the People's Republic of California. So it has gone all the way. Uh, it has gone uh, genitals deep in Fauciism in California compared to Florida. So we've got two different, two, two of the three largest states, wide population centers, um, mass populations. So what's the data tell us with two dramatically different approaches? 
it, it tells us that there was no difference whatsoever. Uh, in the end, the age-adjusted fatality rate of both states turned out to be almost equal. Uh, and that's with the wave that we just encountered with Florida, one of their biggest waves. Uh, California will probably experience another wave coming here in the winter. Uh, and what we've realized, and you have to understand that when you look at the raw numbers, you have to adjust for a population. Uh, if I look at something like the villages in Florida, where the median age is 65, and then I go to Mountain View, California, where the median age, the average age is about 26 and 27, you have to adjust for those figures. And when you do, you realize there is no difference between the states. The lockdowns and the, uh, the draconian efforts that are still ongoing uh, here in the state of California have made no difference whatsoever in the end result of actual fatalities when it comes to COVID. We saw this in, you know, Alex Berenson, I believe, coined the phrase virus get a virus a year ago that and, and then we saw at the end of the year that, if anything, lockdowns didn't work, but they did kill when you compared the excess mortality in Sweden, for example, with, a, with, with virtually every other country in the, in the EU or with the UK. And they, they dramatically overperformed those heavily locked down countries. What concerns me is let's, let's go to the vaccines now, Justin. So I, I spent a good deal of time last week looking at vaccine data all over the world. I looked at seasonality. I looked at regionality. And I, brother, I got to tell you, I, I struggled to find like any discernible pattern. And that's not good. Okay. I mean, it, it just all seemed like really random. I, I, Spain and Portugal was, is my favorite example uh, where the, the cases and deaths in Spain are dramatically lower than they were at this time a year ago. And the reason why I like those two countries, they're two of the five most vaccinated countries in the world, and they, they share a landmass together. They, they border each other. And so Spain's, one, Spain's deaths and cases are dramatically lower. Portugal's are way higher. Now, I, 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 we could probably ascertain some of this is natural immunity in Spain, because of what the virus did in their population a year ago, Portugal went into lockdown, not wanting that to happen here. But I, I don't know that it accounts for like all of the, the discrepancies and numbers there. I, I saw no discernible pattern. That were, I think, where, I think so, you're right. So, so, so what are you my, saying? Yeah, look, my, my, uh, my recommendation has always been on an individual basis, if you, if you are over the age of 65, or if you have some serious comorbidity, if you are acutely obese, it's probably a good thing for you to get the vaccine. It looks like it's going to help with some of the severe disease. But even the six-month trials and safety trials for both Pfizer and Moderna have come back, and they took 36,000 people in each of their groups, the ones that take tested for the vaccine and the ones they gave the placebo. And guess what? Out of each group, 15 people died. So the end result was the same number of deaths but it seems to help on an individual basis. And what you realize very quickly is that that's not going to solve the wave. Uh, we've seen this, for example, in Florida. If you look across Florida, Texas, uh, Mississippi, Georgia, and Arizona, and a few other states, the curve of hospitalizations was exactly the same. And that's with vaccines going through the roof. We're seeing this now in the Northeast where you just had Harvard cancel all classes, the most expensive streaming service you could ever buy. <laughs> and here they go, you know, and you see in Massachusetts where the population is vaxxed to the hilt, and it does not seem to stop the wave. Again, 
It's a different thing to say the vaccines don't work. I believe they can help on an individual basis. But as far as actually changing the course of the pandemic, there is no evidence that they can do that at all. And I think part of that problem is, one, it is a viral pathogen. And you might as well put forth your puny hand to stop the Mississippi River as to stop a respiratory viral pathogen. Uh, I think the other part is that we are, are over-testing and the details that we have on the statistics around hospitalizations from reporting in the Atlantic and New York Magazine and elsewhere, that as high as half, half of all hospitalizations are in the hospital for something completely different other than COVID. And when you have half of hospitalizations that are being counted as COVID but are not there for COVID, there is no way you're ever going to stop the curve unless you change your testing regime. And so we are over testing, we're over counting. And when that happens, there's no end to the pandemic. We can go on like this forever. You've got, you went to look for a correlation between vaccination rates and case rates. And you found the same thing I did looking at various countries around the world. You found the same thing here in the U.S. Total randomness, no rhyme or reason really whatsoever. No correlated yeah, parlay here. Yeah, this data put together by the CDC for me. All I did was took it down and put it in a graph. And it showed by age range that every single age bracket from the time the vaccines were available and started being used in uh, late February, early March, as soon as they got, you know, the, the cases dropped 75%. For each age group before any of those age groups even reached 10% of a vaccination rate. And then vaccination started building up and building up for each age group in the most, uh, you know, at-risk group in the 65 plus. They are an extremely vaxxed up group and their case rates are through the roof. Now, I don't know about you, but this is obviously not what the vaccine was promised. Uh, the vaccine by Fauci, quote, was promised 100%. Uh, effectiveness against hospitalization and death. And Walensky, uh, the CDC director, went on, and this is just like late March, early April, and said, these vaccines, from the data we produce, you are not, you will not carry the infection with you if you are vaccinated. That's what we call a sterilizing vaccine in the epidemiology and virology industry. And these are not sterilizing vaccines. Uh, just like, for example, if your kid gets the chickenpox, you don't need to have them get a vaccine because a a actual infection is as good as the vaccine and the vaccine is sterilized. That is, it'll make sure they don't get the chickenpox except for upon a very, very rare occasion. And now we know that there are vast numbers of people as the effectiveness of the vaccine wanes after five to six months, that they're going to be looking at this very strongly and saying, is that the case? What's happening? It seems the Moderna vaccine is working better than the Pfizer, but no one quite knows. Look, it took us five years as the FDA to approve ginkgo biloba, that Chinese herb that you can get over the counter at any supermarket, right? It took them five years to approve that. And here we are a year into this new vaccination with new technology, and we tested it on a massive amount of people. But there is no set of cliff notes, Steve, for the time factor involved here, right? You can't cheat the time factor and say, well, let's see what happens. Uh, after six months, after eight months, after 12 months. And unfortunately, for the testing that they did, where they had a group of people that were offered the placebo and a group of people that were op uh, that offered the vaccine, they broke the study. That is, they, they gave the people with the placebo the actual vaccine and told them, you got the placebo, let's take care of you. So now we have zero data as to what the effectiveness of these things will be a year down the road and beyond. 
And that's with adults. When we get to kids, it's even a greater disaster because we don't know what the effect is for a, a population where you cannot even measure statistically the impact on our children. Since the course of the pandemic started in 2020, 56,000 children have died of something other than COVID. About 400, 500 children have died of COVID uh, on the records there. And so your kids are about 128 times more likely to die of something else. Uh, as one of my colleagues said, parents, you got 128 problems and COVID is just one of them. I've got about a minute here. Who is the vaccine hesitant, Justin, when you looked at the data? Yeah, the CDC actually performs these surveys for us. They've done so since April. And it turns out that the vast majority of the hesitant actually maps directly to the risk factor. That is about 20% of people who are hesitant say they will probably or definitely not get the vaccine are very, very young people who have zero risk involved in this thing. Yes, there are some rural people. Yes, there are some people that are in poverty that won't get this. The uninsured are more un, are, are less likely to get vaccinated. But for the vast majority, when you look at the statistics, and I wish they'd release the cross tabs for me, but from the data analysis I've seen, it basically mirrors the risk. Uh, if you are under the age of 45, your chances are almost statistically zero. Uh, every 20 years under the age of 80, you have a 10% less likely chance of dying of COVID. So if you're 60 years old, then your chances are 10 times less likely than the average age of death for COVID, which is 80. If you go down to 20 years old, it compounds. A 20-year-old, Steve, a 20-year-old is a thousand times less likely to die than an 80-year-old. They have a better chance of getting hit by lightning or even dying from shards of glass. This is just, we, we have to get reasonable about the risks that are involved here and understand that there are much more frightening things in, in our life, like our kids missing school. Justin Hart, great work. Check him out uh, on Twitter, but uh, especially at rationalground.com where he can't be censored. Really appreciate your work, brother, over the last year plus. Keep it up and God bless, okay? Steve, great to be with you. Thanks for all you do. Yeah, you bet, brother. Take care. Oh, wow. Hey, you know, we've been uh, telling you about Rough Greens for a while on the show here. It's the supplement powder you sprinkle on your pet's food in order to put back in all the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients that were likely taken out when the food before the food left the factory for the same reason they do that with our food. Mass consumption distribution, that's why we people have to take as humans so many supplements these days. And now there's one for your pet to give him the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients at all he needs. But you might be wondering, how will I know if my dog likes it? Well, good news for you. We're going to give you that first 14-day jumpstart back from Rough Greens for free. You just pay for the shipping, but the bag is free on us when you go to roughgreens.com and see if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less. Roughgreens.com. R-U-F-F -F is how it is spelled. Just go to roughgreens.com. Again, the bag is free. You just pay for the shipping. Or you can give them a call at 833-ROUGH-DOG. Again, that's 833-ROUGH-DOG. And when we come back, hour two, um, a segment I thought I would never do. I never even contemplated it could ever occur, but it will. And it, it's something I think all of you need to watch. We'll get to that here in a moment with fake news or not. Stay tuned.
Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre. And of course, there's all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can also get lied to by me by finding and liking me and following me on Facebook with our hashtag Facebook approved takes. That's the regime narrative that fake book approves uh, and wants uh, distributed on its platform. So I give them what they want with my own special twist at, half t- at hashtag Facebook approved takes. You can also follow me on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Look for me on MeWe, Parler, Gab, and Getter, as well as rumble.com slash Steve Day Show, where you'll get clips of the show that you can watch for free. And they're also, by the way, free of censorship. And again, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. Those of you that are podcast listeners, thank you so much. You've played a massive role in the growth of this program, and we want to just say thank you and ask you to do one more thing for us if you haven't already. Uh, leave us a five-star review, hit the subscribe or follow button. You can do both of those things via your podcast platform of preference. And thanks to you, the thousands of you that have done each of those two things for us already. All right, coming up here in a moment, a unique edition of Fake News or Not, in that we're, I'm just going to admit to you up front, everything you're about to hear and see is real news, albeit not from a source I likely would have predicted at any previous juncture of my career. However, how many kids thought the the how many folks thought the kid born to the fifteen year old white trash mama was going to end up where I'm at today? Right. So, it is true. With God, all things are possible, and so you are about to see the marriage of Steve Dace and Russell Brand. Yes, that is about to happen here on Fake News or Not. First, though, let me tell you about ScoreMaster because did you know that even just an okay credit score can cost you thousands of dollars over the life of a 30-year home loan? That's why you want to use ScoreMaster before you apply for any loan. It can take your credit score from okay to great, and sometimes it can do it fast. The average ScoreMaster user can add 61 points in about three weeks or less. And you know, recent COVID surges have kept interest rates low for now. So adding another 61 points to your score on a mortgage or a refi can make a huge difference, all right? So before you apply for that loan, visit scoremaster.com. See how fast you can add points to your score. And then you can maintain and protect your score with 24-7 credit monitoring and $1 million in fraud insurance It only takes minutes to enroll, see your points, get more points, and qualify for the lowest loan rates when you visit scoremaster.com slash Steve. Again, that is scoremaster.com slash Steve. So, um, a, a buddy of mine sent this to me, and this was just such a unique suggestion. I'm like, okay, I've got to watch this, right? I just I didn't expect to see someone send me a note saying, hey, you have got to watch this video from Russell Brand. I was like, really? Okay. I So I, I didn't watch it once. I, I've watched it three times now, and I'm about to watch it for a fourth. It is fantastic. It's captivating. It is eloquent. It's um, empathetic. It's powerful. We're going to share 
a portion of it with you here for about the next 10 to 15 minutes. And then we will react after it's done. Watch this. CNN's Don Lemon has called for a kind of vaccine apartheid, saying people that ain't had vaccines yet, they should be left behind. They're cluttering up hospital beds. Those hospital beds are for people who've already had vaccines. But who is it really that haven't had vaccines? And what are their reasons? Is this as simple as Don Lemon seems to think it is? And so I think we have to stop coddling people when it comes to this and the vaccine saying, oh, you can't shame them. You can't call them stupid. You can't call them silly. Yes, they are. Shaming is always a good technique to get people to do things. If we've learned one thing from the protests and demonstrations of the last few years, it's the power of shame to get people to do what you want. Earlier this month, Lemon called out unvaccinated people for taking up the space in hospitals from vaccinated people who are playing by the rules. That's an interesting bit of authoritarianism, if you ask me. It's kind of devoid of compassion and is a very reductive type of argument because we haven't yet looked at what kind of people are not vaccinated and what the reasons might be for not being vaccinated. It doesn't seem to me that it's something that should be um, simplistically assessed in that manner. That's why when I'm always talking about it, I'm always keen to point out that I myself don't have a strong opinion on what your personal private medical procedures and uh, solutions ought to be. I'm interested in a global perspective on a significant issue and how government, big business, big pharma, media all interact to create stories that then become truths and lead to edicts such as this where public figures like Don Lemon sort of fist on table, leave them behind, shun them, vaccine apartheid. That kind of language has its own kind of quality and it should never be applied in any issue. You should never say this group of people about, yeah, but it's a choice, it's a choice. Well, let me tell you, there's other issues around choice that people like, that used to, in a sense, play out in different spheres of the political space, you know, like bodily autonomy and choice and segregation and inequality. It's very peculiar the way that certain rules are being discarded in order to facilitate the advancement of this narrative. Let's look a little more deeply into who is getting vaccine shots and who isn't. From the New York Times, people who are eligible for shots but have chosen not to get them is not a single set of Americans, but in many ways too. In one group are those who say they are adamant in their refusal of the coronavirus vaccines. They include a mix of people but tend to be disproportionately white, rural, evangelical Christian and politically conservative. I suppose that comes from the perspective of personal liberty and libertarianism. And I suppose if you're saying Christian and rural, they're not, not metropolitan. And if they are defining themselves as Christian, their primary authority is a religious rather than government authority, that they take their moral and ethical uh, guidance from a spiritual or at least dogmatic, depending on your view of Christianity, uh, perspective rather than from, oh, we're I'm down, down with what the government wants. In the other group are those who say they're open to getting a shot, but have put it off or want to wait to see before making a decision. They are a broad range of people, but tend to be a more diverse and urban group, including many younger people, black and Latino Americans and Democrats. This poll from the Kaiser Family Foundation says, Unvaccinated adults cite a variety of reasons why they've not gotten a COVID-19 vaccine, with half citing worries about side effects and the newness of the vaccine as a major reason. Other major reasons include just not trusting the government. <laughs> like, who trusts the government? Who trusts the government? Who? 
Some people just think they don't need the vaccine, that's 38%. Not believing the COVID-19 vaccines are safe, that's 37%. And not trusting vaccines in general, that's 26%. So that, in a sense, is a broad range of wherever you stand. I would say they're not ridiculous reasons. Like, that's not, like, there's not a percentage of people that are like, they're going to put a robot in your blood. You know, it's not that, is it? It's all sort of like reasonable questions and inquiries, particularly in the climate and context that we're currently in, with most of us feeling some degree of mistrust towards the institutions that are primarily behind the vaccines, whether or not you believe they're safe and whether or not they are safe. Many concerns about COVID-19 vaccination are expressed at higher rates by people of colour compared to white adults. More than half, 55% of unvaccinated black adults and almost three quarters, 64% of Hispanic adults are concerned about having to miss work due to vaccine side effects compared to four in 10 white adults. Larger shares of black and Hispanic adults compared to white adults also express concern about not being able to get the vaccine from a place they trust, having to pay an out-of-pocket cost to get vaccinated and having difficulty traveling to a vaccination site another one very practical this is what you know when it's like an issue like climate change and like protest around climate change tends to be sort of direct action which is sort of like you know something i'd be totally down with but there's a disjunct between people talking about climate change and being able to impact ordinary working people because ordinary working people are concerned with dealing with their actual life. And I think that's no coincidence. If your life is about survival, economic survival, putting off penury, coping with the challenges of life, a situation that I lived in for a while, and it seems like a long while ago now, then you're not thinking as much about, oh no, climate change. You're not thinking about climate change. I'm starving. It doesn't seem so relevant. Many Hispanic adults report being asked for certain types of information or documentation when they signed up for or received vaccine that may pose barriers to getting the vaccine for some. Among all Hispanic adults who made or attempted to make an appointment to receive a vaccine, about a third, 32%, report being asked to provide health insurance information when making an appointment. So there's another strong social and economic reason, and obviously that's connected to, mig to migration issues as well, particularly, I suppose, in America. Four in 10, 42%, say they were asked to provide a government-issued ID, and 14% say they were asked to provide a social security number. So I guess it's a layered and complex issue. How can you be dismissive and and so lacking in compassion when there is such evident complexity around many people's lives when it comes to an issue as significant as this one. You can't afford to just wipe people away and shun people when you don't understand the circumstances of their lives. This shows me the uh, futility of bipolar, combative social discourse. Instead, we should be inclusive, compassionate, considerate. Which political party claims to be representative of those values again? Oh, you can't shame them. You can't call them stupid. You can't call them silly. Yes, they are. Yep, there are those single mums that can't get childcare that are concerned about the side effects. Give them a good shaming. The people who aided and abetted Trump are stupid because they believed his big lie. The people who are not getting vaccines, who are believing the lies on the internet instead of science, it's time to start shaming them. What else? Or leave them behind. <laughs> Shame and leave them behind. Those are the solutions. I would say there's a certain line that you can't cross, particularly if your whole political party is resourced by sort of inclusivity, diversity, uh, compassion. 
you can't say, well, with this issue, this is the one issue. You know, but, and, and may I say that if you look at the science, it seems that there is room for conversation in many of the areas that these statistics suggest are cause for concern. It's like, you know, do you trust your government? Do you have concerns about side effects? And these are not things that you can just go, no, like with the with a swipe of a broadsword across a population of people that includes, it seems, a great many vulnerable people, people that have been disadvantaged elsewhere that are worthy of compassion and certainly worthy of being heard. People talk about, well, I don't know what's in the shot, Chris. I don't know what's in that shot. I'll they tell can, you what's not in it. Hold on. A let tracking me, device. Yeah, yeah let, me, let, me, let me finish this. You know, what's the, you know what they, they get shots in nowadays? In their rear ends? They're getting shots to make it bigger. They're getting shots in their face. They don't know what's in Botox. Certainly there are some hypocrisies. People are willing to embrace some uh, treatments, eat certain types of food. Like we do go through life blindly consuming products, but you can't say that there isn't good reason for suspicion while being on CNN, one of the dominant broadcasters that creates all of this antipathy division, contradiction, deception, conflagration, all these things are brought about because of like mad stuff that comes out in the media. Stuff, you know, we've got other videos that point out direct lies that these, that these broadcasters t tell people continually. How can you expect their trust when you haven't earned it? People say, Don Lemon's got a nice face. And he seems like he, maybe he's a beautiful person, I guess, I don't know. But I don't agree with what he's saying pretty strongly when it comes to shaming, leaving behind, not considering complex arguments, being dismissive, not acknowledging the role of media in creating the current suspicion and heightened awareness and doubt that exists around this issue. And I don't mean like right-wing or left-wing media. I mean the entire integration between government, big business and big pharma. How could that not generate mistrust when you see people in the revolving doors, oh now they work there, oh this legislation is being passed, oh the FDA is funded by the very things that are supposed to be, that is supposed to be regulating. How are you men of trust? I had an issue, I told you Chris, when my family was here and they were saying, well I don't know, I just, uh, I said, you know how you got here to visit me in New York? You took an airplane. What is that? Science. <laughs> see that? That is science. Science is everything. That's so mental. That's so mental. Of, of course it is. Of course science has good and bad outcomes, but science is a subset of capitalism. If people could make money from those aeroplanes, they wouldn't be flying. And when I say capitalism, what I mean by that is the current system of exploitation propped up crony capitalism. In case you're concerned, let me know in the comments below if you want me to learn a new lexicon. You can't just say science only brings about good things, like it's a lovely, friendly, old, lovely old granddad science issuing stuff. There's been all sorts of complications. The opioid crisis, do you know what that was? Science. But you, that's, again, that's too dismissive and simplistic. Science underwritten by profit motives. You know why people live to be older than 40, 50, 60 years old these days? Science. That's science as a religion. Science is just a bunch of research and investigation that can have amazing outcomes. One of the many areas of human endeavor that is beautiful and brilliant. But if you corral it beneath a corrupted system, then the outcomes will necessarily be corrupted. You can't use such reductive, simplistic arguments, particularly not when doing something as important as dismissing a whole class of people, a significant number of people, and saying that those people are unworthy of compassion. Once contempt enters into an argument, incredible things become possible. Elsewhere on the internet you'll find people saying we're on the brink of civil war or that like that, that there could be new sort of forms of fascism on the rise. Well they may not come from where you think they're going to come from, particularly not when you hear discourse of this kind under the guise of liberalism. You know what, what is so contradictory about it? When people get sick they go into the hospital and they say 
Throw it all. Give it to me. Inject it. Put it in me. And you're going to pay a whole lot of money. And you're going to tax the medical system when you could have gotten it for free and you wouldn't be in that position in the first place. You're going place. to question the vaccine, but you want to take a horse dewormer. <laughs> um, Making the choice to call ivermectin a horse dewormer is a propagandist choice. That's a linguistic choice. I've got no opinion on what you should do with your health, but that's an interesting choice and a further decision that makes you believe perhaps they have an agenda, that they're pushing an agenda, that they're not objectively conveying news. Mainstream media is in serious trouble because it's become entertainment and it's become propaganda. This is obviously bigger than Don Lemon, who I'm sure as a human being is a lovely guy. But with regard to this particular issue, he's advancing arguments that lead to division, that are reductive, that are condemning people, that if you had to look in their eyes, you wouldn't be as comfortable condemning. If you had to experience the challenges they're facing with childcare, if you had to go through the reasons they might be doubtful about the government, I don't think it would be so easy to condemn them. This is a call for compassion, open-mindedness, and understanding of nuance, and not to be reductive around such complex issues. But the mainstream media has to do that. Okay, let's let's cut it short there because I think by now you got the point. I mean, I, that's just I, I think that's just absolutely fantastic. The idea you got in an airplane science um, in 1932. Did did people just jump on airplanes without any questions? How's this work? What's a propulsion system look like? How safe is this? Right. Uh, how, how many how many people were pri- previously injected with messenger RNA technology prior to January of this year? A very scant few, because there had actually even been very few human trials of this of this technology prior to the mass vaccination of it this year. We had never done a mass injection of this until this year. So were, were you were you considered? Uh, did you were you rain dancing or consulting a local shaman? If you were concerned about taking a transatlantic flight in, in 1935, you didn't. Th- those weren't legitimate questions to answer. Of course they were. I mean, w- I mean, Lemon's analogy is well a lemon. Okay, I mean, you want to talk about people appropriately named, but back to Russell Brand. How good was that? And your thoughts on it, Todd? I'll let you start. Well, I haven't seen him in a while, but it's not surprising to me that he did something like this because he. He had been pretty active doing videos like this, and he did have some sort of moral conversion yeah. himself. He, he's a rehabbed uh, drug addict at the uh, very least, and I, I believe maybe even a sex addict of some kind. I, if I'm wrong about that, I'm wrong about that. But he's used that personal revelation to do this before, and... uh at the end, when he talks about how you do the kind of thing that you wouldn't do to them uh, if they were if they were right in front of you, and the, all the reductionism, uh, the accusatoriness. Well, here the, what he just doesn't quite go as far as saying because he's clearly bringing an olive branch. But Don Don Lemon is doing exactly what he wants to do condemning that's his faith it is there's nothing about diversity in don lemon's uh worldview he very much is about the us 
and the them. He's got his own version of the wheat and the chaff. He is the white witch who slayed Aslan and then took the hair from his mane and put it on himself. He's the embodiment in how he lives his life and what he says of the god killer. That's how far he wants to go with this. He cannot stand that anybody has a difference than him in how they view the world. So Russell Brand was outstanding. Uh, He simply, because he was being kind, uh, did not go far enough in just how dangerous the Don Lemons of the world are. They are nothing short of Nazis. Yeah, condemning that that's... That's the part of, of his religion. I mean, you look how happy. It's its almost like a cathartic experience mm-hmm. watching that video of uh, of Don Lemon. And, and there's one other part of this. I can't really add a whole lot to um, the overall monologue of, of, uh, of Russell Brand there because it was a very middle, I think, there's places I wish he would have gone, like natural immunity, that he did not go. But I, I think that's a pretty middle-of-the-road, uh, compassionate uh, takedown of this entire subject. And I, I that's sorely missing, really, uh, from, from all... Like I said at the beginning of the show, I wish I could have compassion. I wish I could have a laissez-faire attitude about this vaccine. But there are people out there who will not allow and who are not content with the laissez-faire attitude here's here's one thing though that that i keep seeing pop up with increasing frequency and it's that piece about the supposed hypocrisy of people who are willing to get injected with botox or willing to do drugs or willing to eat foods that are uh, wholly unhealthy for them but unwilling to get the jab and how that's sort of a hypocrisy you're not making the argument no you you aren't that you're making. You are surprised. You, you are not making the argument you think you're making. You're comparing the vaccine to all of those terrible things. I thought this was supposed to be about our health. Exactly. Don't compare. If you want the people to take the vaccine, don't make these stupid arguments. But then again, with the cult, it seems like there are only, only stupid arguments at this point. And I wish that I could be as compassionate as... Russell Brand is not a Christian, guys. At least not that I know of, anyway. I tried after watching that. I, I had not, I had not uh, heard about his moral conversion. I think he went to, um, to his uh, uh, treatment for, for um, addiction because of an atheist friend. And I, I don't think he's really had a, a faith conversion. Um, but I will say I wish I was as compassionate as he came off in that, uh, in that 18-minute video. Because if, if everybody were like that, then we wouldn't even be sitting here right now. He probably wouldn't have even had to, had to make that video. But the fact that there are forces uh, in power right now, and again, it, it came from both, both sides of the political divide in America before even Biden took office, who did not want to make this into a laissez-faire thing. We're at a position now where it's it's constantly fight or flight, especially with this issue. Hmm. I think, well, absolutely, I applaud Russell for his level of empathy, compassion, and patience. And 
not knowing what um not not knowing how he has covered this or how intently and for how long um it, it's always easier to have patience with something that has not continually disappointed you or deceived you you know what i'm saying Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how much he has done on this particular topic, but um, that absolutely, Aaron, does stand out. And I think it also, um, to use a word that he brought up a couple times, maybe shames us a little bit in our lack thereof at times. We could certainly have more. I also think, though, that when you're See, he's having a he's having a wider conversation, probably. Let me put it this way. If I was talking to the audience he was talking to, it'd be much easier for me to strike that tone. Because that's an that's an audience that has that's an audience that has come here to do some critical thinking from various perspectives and is here to come now and reason together. The audience folks that, that we're trying to reach or that we're really, we're, we're not really trying to reach at this point. We're up against that's trying to put their boot to our throat. They don't care about anything. He just said they don't. Um, and so it, it's just, it's hard, it, it's, it's hard for me to be that empathetic and patient naturally anyway, given my personality. But when you've made it very clear to me, you are not interested in the truth. Like if I just thought you were remotely interested in it, I'd keep coming back over and over and mm-hmm. over again. Like I would go on that guy's show like all the time. You address even, this. Even if he asked me every skeptical question in the yeah. world, but I knew it was part of a of a of an of a of a real authentic search for some form of objective truth. I would entertain all of his objections to my faith, if for as long as he wanted him to, and I would really enjoy the conversation. The, unfortunately, in many of the arenas we're going into, when I say we, I'm not talking about the three of us. I'm talking about all of us, all of you, this whole big family on this show now, both those on on, on opposite ends of the camera and microphone. Too many of the arenas we're going into in our school boards, in our own families, in our legislators, legislatures and things of that nature, it, it won't matter how well you frame this. It's not that they're lazy, Bob. It's that they just don't care. And I, I do think that that requires a far more aggressive tone. Put me in front of his audience, though. I'd sit around and just shoot the breeze with that mm-hmm. level of empathy, or at least what I'm capable of. I don't think I'm capable of that level, but more empathy than you maybe see from me on a daily basis. If I thought we were, this was going somewhere, as opposed to, oh, you're just here to lie to me. Okay, well, now that we've made that clear, let's saddle up. You addressed this yesterday uh, in the difference between uh, turning the other cheek versus fighting evil. That's basically hmm. what's going on here. I mean, Russell has a level of, uh, gravitas that I think him making this video uh, and just reason trying to reasonably talk with Don Lemon and sh- sh- putting the mirror up to Don Lemon. Don Lemon may see that. If I do that, Don Lemon doesn't see that. But we get outside of that attempt. Right. 
that right now they're firing thousands of nurses in New York. They're beating the hell out of people mm -hmm. in Australia. Western civilization is dying right now. So we need to be, this is a both and. We need to be able to walk and chew bubble gum at the same time. You have any thoughts on that, Aaron, before we get out of here? No, I agree. Uh, that's, uh, it, it is, it's the narrow road that we talk about. Being able to see, hey, uh, compassion for that person, but understanding who the enemy, not just your opponent, but who the enemy actually is, that can be a fine line to walk. I mean, you don't go out of your house every morning and go uh, salt your neighbor's earth around their house. Uh, but at the same time, if they come and step to you, uh, you better be prepared to hit back. It's it's that type of uh, um, you know, fine line walking, and, and it's really not that fine of a line when the when the lines are drawn this clearly. Um, but it, it is it is unsettling in a good way to hear the compassion that that comes out of somebody like Russell Brand. Hmm. All right, when we come back, the outstanding documentary that is over on Fox Nation right now about what really happened in that Wuhan lab. All three of us have had a chance now to watch this. We're going to give you our thoughts. And there's a particularly, I think, troubling angle that a lot of other people won't want to bring it up because most of you won't want to hear it, but you need to. And so I have no problem being the villain. I will wear the black hat again when we come back. You know, there's never a good time to be all sweaty in public. You know, I mean, unless you like to work out in public, you know, in front of an audience. All right. So I don't know how many American Ninja Warrior contestants we have here tuned in. It'd be cool if we had one. Uh, but for the rest of us, you know, being sweaty in public isn't uh, fun, especially because it can occur at the worst possible times. A job interview, uh, a first date. Um, a speaking engagement, etc. That's why I want to check out Sweat Block, stronger and more effective than even the most clinical of antiperspirants. You simply apply their wipes to your pits right before bedtime, go to bed the next morning, do what you normally do to get ready, and you should be good to go. Not just for one day, but several days without worrying about pitting out, and they guarantee it. Uh, and they've got other great products as well. I've tried these. Uh, the deodorant uh, the, is phenomenal. Um, uh, so is the the deodorant lotion for those, shall we say, sensitive areas that can uh, get a little swampy. Uh, if you want to try Sweat Block right now, get 20% off with the promo code DACE. D-E-A-C-E, -E, promo code DACE. When you go to Sweat Block, just like it sounds, sweatblock.com, 20% off with the promo code DACE. Uh, your pits and other parts of your body will thank you later. Uh, sweatblock.com, promo code DACE. All right, let's get to it. Um, the three of us have had a chance now to watch the, uh, I think it's outstanding. You guys can tell me, tell the audience what you think. But, uh, but I think it's the outstanding documentary that is streaming right now over on Fox Nation. Uh, and oh, I forgot the gal, is it Sherry Markson? Yeah. Okay. And she's going to be on our show Thursday, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, she's the Australian investigative journalist that uh, apparently was able to escape her country long enough to even conduct this investigation into the true origins of coronavirus and what was really going on at that Wuhan lab. I uh, tweeted out a link to this last night. I would highly recommend 
as many of you watch it as you possibly can. And she actually tweeted me back and says it's also available, I guess, on YouTube now, too. That you don't have to just get it at Fox Nation. Oh, cool. Okay. So, but we already talked about this a little bit last week. We looked at uh, a Sky News report on her documentary. But now here for Pop Culture Tuesday, when we look at the intersection between popular culture and conservatism, we wanted to look at the documentary in its full context as a whole. There's there's one particular angle here I want to address, and I will in a moment. But I first want to find out, Todd and Aaron, what did you think of this documentary and what stood out to you? Well, I, I thought it was interesting, and and maybe it's not as interesting as, as what it should be, but... The entire ten, tenor of the of the documentary left absolutely no quarter for the possibility that this was just an accidental spillover, naturally from wildlife to animals. They they left. I don't know what you guys. I I thought they left absolutely no. It would. The only question was whether it was accidental or on purpose. And also, further surprisingly, they didn't completely rule out. They 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 poo pooed it a little bit or cautioned, I guess, a little bit. The um possibility about a, an intentional release but they certainly did their due diligence in noting who all was involved with that lab and noting china's interest in biological warfare as well so i i thought that was so overall this this documentary left no quarter i mean they explored the possibility uh but they left basically no quarter for the possibility of a of a natural spillover um in terms of the guests in in terms of the subject matter experts i guess we should say that they had on former head of the British intelligence MI6, uh, Dr. Richard Dearlove, I, I think was the name of that man. Uh, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, former uh, uh, I think it was uh, Director of National Security um, or uh, d- d- Director of National Intelligence, I should say, John Ratliff. They had interviews with all of these people, and including. Uh, a handful of scientists and virologists from around the world and geneticists from around the world. Um, particularly those who have had some of their work um, censored in the early days. I also thought, speaking of censoring, I thought I thought uh, probably the last half of the documentary did a fantastic job at connecting all of the dots, all of the interconnecting dots between journals, uh, academic journals, scientific journals, mm-hmm. Peter Daszak, and the competing interests within the United States government, namely the NIH and the NIAID, connecting all of those dots for you. They don't spell it out in in, in uh, just blatant terms, but it's pretty obvious what happened uh, in, in terms of you want to see collusion? Well, we got some collusion for you between all of those aforementioned entities. Overall, and I think I know what you're going to get to here in a little bit, so I don't want to step on that mm-hmm. uh, too much, but overall, I, I mean, the documentary is the I think the quintessential. I think it is the the, the, the pinnacle piece of journalism. Uh, actual journalism, or at least as close to that as we can actually get of the Wuhan lab origin theory for COVID-19. And all of this, ironically, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, comes from an Australian journalist. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was fascinating. I'll respond to what you said really quick. I came away... I'd not, I've not focused a lot on the military Olympic games that went on in Wuhan the fall before we found out about the virus. Um, I'm going to look a lot more closely at it after this documentary because this documentary makes it clear that either 
the Chinese knew this was going on in Wuhan and still allowed these games to take place recklessly and therefore become unintentional super spreader events where these military um, athletes would then go back to their home countries and spread it all over the world. Or as some, as, as one or two people on the, in the documentary allege, they did this on purpose as part of a military operation. Um, I, I agree with you, Aaron, that I think this has leaves very little room, not just for natural origins. I don't think it leaves a lot of room for an accidental leak watching it actually. Um, I, I think there's zero room for natural origin or maybe 1%, maybe 20, 25% room for an accidental leak. If you watch this documentary, Todd, what were your thoughts? You know, we've watched uh, other documentaries uh, in the past on on the show, the the, the ones about uh, aliens uh, that have been really well done and really well sourced. But at the end of watching those, you're you're still left with more questions than answers in many respects. It's oftentimes better questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, I, I, if we if we lived in a sober society. And you put everybody down, required viewing the entire world. You have got to watch this. There would be, there should be emergency sessions of the United Nations. Yes. Called. Yep. To bring up the the nation of China on crimes against humanity. That It's that clear. The indicting evidence of what's going on here. That's what's disturbing. And because then you finish watching this and you go back to the so-called reality that is what we just discussed in the last half hour and what Don Lemon is spoon feeding you and how you're getting more of that on a regular basis than what you're getting in this documentary. It, 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 it's not some crazy JFK long walk at all it is so matter of fact she's actually trying to provide evidence uh, about various things the uh, pcr test uh, procurals the duct wa- change of duct work yep. and she's asking these professional spooks and they're like I, that helps but i already have so much damning evidence this is just throw another shrimp on the barbie yep. it's so obvious to them that people need to swing from the gallows on this, and most of the world has no idea about it. Can I respond to that real quick? Go ahead. As well, yeah. It's something that became apparent to me in watching this as well, and maybe it's because of the source of this. We wouldn't really get this so much from a UK or or a US outlet if a, if a journalist from one of those countries got this. We need to be, um, yes, China deserves a lot of the blame. Who was their chief aid and abetting, uh, who was their chief partner in aiding and abetting them? America. That would be us. Yes. That should disturb us very yes. much as well. One other crazy thing, I don't, because you, the, the, I didn't know this before. The fact that when the WHO and they were working on bringing that con- American contingent over, they submitted three names of people they wanted. Dashik wasn't one of them, and they pick mm-hmm. Dashik ended up being the. Come on, man! Come yeah. on, <laughs> he's like Harvey Keitel, the cleaner in this whole yes. damn thing. Yes. Um, the rest of it, 
I think you guys had highlighted the right things. The rest of it, I think, adds information and context to things we've already discussed prevalently here on the show. So I want to bring another angle up that, that I was disturbed to disappointed by watching this. And some of you are not going to like this. I don't care. It, it needs to be said. I, I thought overall President Trump's performance in this documentary was underwhelming. And I'm okay with him passing on certain questions from a national security perspective and in, and entrusting that he has received briefing and information about this and also understanding that that if certain things are, are said a certain way, it could lead to war. So I'm not talking about any of those because that happens a couple of different times in this documentary. Um, she asks the question, many of the questions I've been dying to ask people like the president for the last year and a half. And, and some of them he just cannot answer. I respect that. But there, the part where she asks him about. Yep. Um, do you have any... Um, would, basically, she asks him about, would you have thought about how you responded to this and how much you trusted Fauci and how much you trusted this information? Would you do it, would you do it differently if you had it to do all over again? And I'm just going to be blunt, guys, because I, I don't know how to do anything else. They stole the last election from Donald Trump, but the reason they got to do it is he committed the absolute dumbest mistake and most dumb and dumbest choice in the history of human managerialism. Lockdowns. 15 days to flatten the curve, 30 days to slow the spread, and handed them, handed, handed the very people who practiced a four-year-long coup, handed them the hammer for the final nail in his coffin. We got mail-in voting. California just announced yesterday there'll be mail-in voting for Ebbs. We're never putting any of these genies back in the bottle ever again. Things we successfully defeated with their ballot harvesting schemes, we had defeated for a couple of decades now to the point over 30 states had actually passed voter ID laws. Instead, we were going the other direction, our direction on this. We're never putting any genies back in the bottle on this ever again. We've lost all that stuff forever. So we better learn how to play this game to some degree. And he showed no self-awareness, no humility at all. When, when his audience would be, have been perfectly fine with it, nobody, nobody who voted for Trump once or twice would have said, oh man, he admitted they should have been more skeptical. You know, I'm never voting for him again. In fact, he would have appreciated it. And then I think there probably would have been some people that are probably regret not voting for him right now because they don't personally like him. That might, that might have given them the excuse to pull the lever and say, yeah, maybe he's a little bit more human than I thought after all, right? Yep. Instead, he goes in, first of all, he looks like he's aged quite a bit. If you guys noticed that, he looked, he, he looked like he, or, or he's less orange, one of the two. 
He's lost but, some weight for sure. But he went right into his spiel of how great the vaccines are. I'm not kidding you. You have to see yeah. this for yourself. That's what he does. It, well, and I did a great, this is a great response. We ever, you know, people are telling me how great of a job we did he, and we've saved millions with vaccines. He was confronted. Can I add this real quick? Sure. I thought this is where you were going to go. And I forgot about that, what you just said. He was asked specifically about gain of function research mm-hmm. being unmoratorium oh, yes, during his watch. Yes. And he basically said, well, it I don't know matter. how it happened. I, somebody who works for me probably made that decision, but it doesn't matter now because we got the vaccine. That I kid you not. Yes, that was actually in the exchange I'm talking about. You added further context to it. Thank you. He has, he, I mean, there seemed to be no willingness to do any level of self-assessment at all. Guys, we're, we're you know, we're th- three years from the next presidential inauguration, and we're kind of talking about, let, let's just cancel the whole primary process, look at no other candidates, just hand over the whole party to him and just let him run roughshod, and we'll just sit here and, you know, bide our time until uh, he can run again and come here to save us all. I don't know, man. And I don't give a damn how many of you send me angry emails. In fact, I'll take that as I'm over the target. I kind of think... I kind of think after making the dumbest, worst decision in the history of the U.S. presidency, which set the stage for us to now be ruled by an iron fist with a dementia-rattled mouthpiece hoisted, uh, hoisted up by 30 tyrants and his cackling running mate, I kind of think I'd like to know we did at least some form of self-awareness or, you know, how'd we blow this thing? What mistakes did we make? Nothing. We got absolutely nothing. Didn't show we learned from any of the mistakes we made. Because he made them. That's why we're here. If he doesn't make those mistakes, we're not here right now. You're not looking at being an ongoing human trial. With an experimental injection. You're not probably choking your children out for a second year in a row in school. You're not wondering if there's any point to ever voting again and if your elections have any integrity at all. There's a lot of things you're not wondering about right now that all have their origin in this decision. And he showed no awareness at all. None. Now, maybe he's not capable on a human level. I don't know. I do know this, though. We cannot just run it back. We need to know the dude learned from the mistakes that he made. Otherwise, he's going to make them again. And we're the ones paying a high cost for those mistakes, by the way. We don't get to hang out at the Bellagio or the Mar-a-Lago. You're the 83,000 people in New York State giving up your jobs over vaccine mandates. Wouldn't you like to know whether we learned from any of these mistakes or not? I'd like to know. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.